Hello and welcome to this edition of CFA Institute's Take 15 series. I'm Todd Jankowski, head of the Certificate in Investment Performance Measurement Program at CFA Institute. Today is October 28, 2011, and we are here at the GIPS Annual Conference in Chicago, Illinois. Today I'm joined by Francis Barney, CIPM. Francis is the Managing Director of Performance Analytics and Consulting at BNY Mellon in New York City. Welcome, Francis. Thanks, Todd. So what has changed in the last few years in risk? What's new? Well, liquidity risk really came to the attention of a lot of investors just a few years ago when it kind of came as something of a surprise that uh, when everything was, was so sort of frozen, there was a credit crisis, and uh, it was difficult for people to find liquidity out of their portfolios. So especially for the investors that have big allocations to alternative investments, um, where you can't get out of those allocations quickly or easily, certainly not without a material price impact. Um, and so they suddenly realized that they needed to fund their continuing operations out of their remaining pool of, of liquid assets that had also been beaten down by the markets. And so they really had material constraints on how they could fund their ongoing operations. So it does, liquidity does mean different things to different people. So for traditional equity portfolios, for example, you could calculate a, like a days to cash if you've got uh, average daily traded volume and outstanding shares, you can, you know, figure out how long is it going to take you to get out of these investments. And it's, you know, probably not too long. Um, emerging markets is more interesting, but uh, that's a kind of a traditional view of liquidity. So for private equity, though, you're probably not thinking about a days to cash, but more a months or years to cash. And there's probably going to be a material price impact in addition to a delay in, uh, you know, when you are able to get out of the investment. So it's not really a very natural source of funding if you do need to fund some operations out of the, out of the uh, alternative investments. And for hedge funds, liquidity doesn't so much mean the, um, the liquidity of the underlying investments as much as the, uh, the gates or lockup period. That's probably more relevant to the investor from a liquidity perspective. So it means different things for different asset classes. Um, I saw this interesting analysis recently that, uh, that the Burgess Group shared with me. The, um, they do this forum where they bring together academics and practitioners, and uh, there was this paper that was published about, uh, from a researcher from Duke and Ohio State that showed that liquidity is like, from the investor's perspective, uh, private equity is like a liquidity sink. And so when public markets are up, it's more likely that the investors are going to have um, a distribution of capital, and so they'll get sort of extra money when they don't need it. And then when public markets are down uh, and they don't have money like they usually do, that's when you're going to get the capital call. And so it kind of hits you twice. So I think that's exactly what happened a few years ago when a lot of the institutional investors were really reeling from the, the big blows to their, their uh, asset sizes. And then they got the capital calls and suddenly really had a very difficult time coming up with the money to, uh, to, to uh, pay down these commitments. So it, it means different things to different people, but um, I think that it's appropriate to think about uh, uh, an overall pr uh, profile to be able to think ahead about what kind of liquidity needs and sources are available in your portfolios. 
So one way to get insight into that kind of analysis is to look at transaction data for a group of uh, private equity funds within a group of vintage year universes. And you can see the experience of how long does it take to pay down the capital uh, compared to the committed amount so that you can see, you know, kind of what's the median or what's the outer ranges of how much money you're going to likely need to come up with to get some kind of expectations around funding requirements. So that's one way of thinking ahead about uh, liquidity requirements. Value at risk was criticized in the press in the last few years. Do you see the popularity of forward-looking measures changing? You know, I do, but I see it even more popular now than it used to be. It, um, the, um, I think the, the market crisis from a few years ago really made a lot of investors aware that they had risks that they weren't even previously aware of. And so the, with the understanding that no risk model is ever going to be able to perfectly predict the future, I do think that there is a greater interest in analysis like uh, value at risk, uh, stress testing, um, historical scenarios, where you can at least have some idea of what are the possible uh, outcomes that you might have based on the, the current investments if different types of parameters were to happen again. Definitely, it's not completely predicting the future. Nobody has a crystal ball. But the, the more kinds of analysis you do, I think, the more chances you have to be able to find some surprise before it actually occurs. So whenever you do look at any kind of, uh, especially ex-ante risk model, it's really important to understand what goes into the model because every model has flaws. And so the more kinds of ways you look at a particular question, the more chances you have to be able to see something that surprises you. And that's really what you're looking for is you want to you see the surprise in the analysis before you see the surprise in the investments. So the, one of the ways that I think it's a good idea to analyze, uh, to analyze uh, any kind of ex-ante model or, or an ex-post model is to look at the goodness of fit. So whenever you're doing factor analysis um, and you're coming up with betas that you know, kind of help to explain some of the exposures you have, you also need to look at the goodness of fit of the model because then it can really give you a better sense of you know, how much. So here's some factors that might be explained by this but how, what's the goodness of fit of these factors compared to the observed data? That's, I think, an important point whenever you're looking at risk models. What are some of the types of risk you expect to see in the future? Given the increased focus on risk in the investment industry, I do think we're going to continue to see a demand for advanced risk solutions, especially thinking about the regulatory landscape. We've definitely seen a lot of regulators uh, in the U.S. and globally really requiring, in some cases, stress testing. So, for example, the SEC requires stress testing for money market funds, and then we're seeing similar requirements for that same kind of analysis with uh, Irish regulators and um, insurance regulators. And so we're seeing that as a, as a likely increase. I don't see that abating anytime soon. So I also think that uh, as we continue to talk about risk, it's likely that we're going to have a more educated audience of uh, risk consumers so that there will be an understanding that there shouldn't be a blind faith in any risk number that you come up with, but th with an understanding that every model has assumptions and as long as you have the ability to dig into the model and understand the assumptions and look at different kinds of risks, um, there can be a more of a broad framework of 
discussions around the risk appetites and risk solutions and um, approaches to risk. Francis, thank you for sharing your time with us today, and thank you for joining us for another edition of Take 15. Copyright 2011 CFA Institute. This program is designed to give accurate and authoritative information in regard to the subject matter covered. It is distributed with the understanding that CFA Institute is not engaged in rendering legal, accounting, tax, investment, or other expert advice. If legal advice or other expert assistance is required, the services of a competent professional should be sought.